You have probably heard of cryptocurrency, but like what actually is it? And how does it work? Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Hello and welcome to another edition of Let Me Explain. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. Apple, Spotify, the News Talk app or any other reputable or disreputable podcast provider. This week is one of those I don't know what a tracker mortgage is episodes because almost everyone has heard of cryptocurrency or certainly heard of Bitcoin. But I have to admit heading into this, I didn't really understand what it actually is or how it works. So let me explain. People that actually understood Bitcoin were like, stop it. It's never going to, it's not meant to replace the dollar, not anytime soon. But what this is, is digital gold. It's a store of value. Trade of some description has always been around. First, it was bartering different goods with, say, other farmers or at the market. How many chickens will you give me for this cow? I'll give you two goats for that knife and so on. And at some point, humans as a race decided that rare metals have value, gold and silver and coins. And then it was paper notes that were the king currency for a long time, and now they're being phased out by plastic, the debit and credit cards that we all carry around. But increasingly, money isn't anything physical, like it's not something you can touch. Even your cards are just to facilitate online transactions. How much of your monthly wages, for example, do you ever actually hold in your hand? Quite possibly none, if you're of a certain age. And many people believe that cryptocurrency may be the next evolution in how we pay for things. Yes, it's online in the way that most money is online now, but it's different in a number of key ways. So what is cryptocurrency? A Bitcoin, it just seems like a scam. I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. Essentially, it's a currency competing against the dollar. I want the dollar to be the currency of the world. Well, the explanation is largely in the name. Crypto for encrypted and currency for, well, currency. So it's a digital currency which is encrypted. That doesn't really help us much, does it? I think for this episode, we're going to need a guide. Lori Keo. I am a director with Coinbase. A cryptocurrency is a purely digital currency. So what do I mean by that? I mean by that there's no physical cash. So we have euro. There's obviously euro that flies around, you know, um, in a digital way. But we also have the cash that we take out of an ATM. When it comes to cryptocurrency, there is no physical version. It is all digital. Cryptocurrency is also decentralized, which is the big attraction for some. So that means, unlike the euro or the US dollar, there's no central body governing cryptocurrency. There's no central bank or federal reserve managing it. And so cryptocurrency exists outside the control of governments or central authorities. But if you don't have that central authority to actually manage your money and those transactions that happen, how do you know they've happened at all? Well, that's where something called blockchain comes in. This is the the kind of next layer. Hopefully it's not getting inception-like. But the thing that underpins cryptocurrency is a thing called blockchain or blockchain technology. All the transactions that take place, um, let's say there's the, a thing called the Bitcoin blockchain, so the blockchain that underpins Bitcoin and makes it work, has its own blockchain. And the way um, that block- blockchain works is that 
it records every single transaction that takes place on that Bitcoin network or even that Bitcoin database, if you want to kind of simplify it. The creator or creators of Bitcoin, we don't actually know if it was one person or a group of people, are called Satoshi Nakamoto. And Nakamoto is quoted as saying that they invented Bitcoin as a way to provide a payment system based on cryptographic proof rather than the trust that you put into a bank to make that payment for you. So who keeps a record of all those cryptocurrency payments if there's no central authority? Well, they're recorded on what's called a blockchain. It's like a digital ledger for crypto transactions. But instead of a, a trader or a shop owner writing in a massive book, the record of the payment is distributed across countless computers across the world to everyone who's using cryptocurrency. When we use blockchain technology, you have a copy of the ledger, I have a copy of the ledger, and so does everybody else who interacts with it. And that that actually brings a number of benefits. Um, number one is, is that I know that if if you know my computer goes down, well, I can refer to yours because what you have is what I had and it's what everybody else has. And I know that if you try and pull a fast one, the ledger that you have won't sync with anybody else's. And so transactions that you've put forward don't sync with anybody else's and therefore will basically get shot down and won't be included in that ever-increasing chain of blocks, hence the name blockchain. Um, and also another benefit it brings is that it it brings transparency as the transactions. So you can actually go on to a, um, you go on to blockchain.com or other block explorers, and you can look through all the transactions that have ever taken place on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now you can't see names and addresses, but you can see amounts and you can see the numbers that make up wallets. So if you have an issue with the transaction or someone tries to make up that they have hundreds of Bitcoin, there's a digital record spread across the globe that can be checked. And because it involves so many computers with a copy of all transactions, it makes it incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to there hack. There are thousands and thousands of blocks. And also, a new block is created about every 10 minutes. So I have a 10-minute window to overpower this huge network um, and each each entity um, that is, I guess, that is progressing the development of the of each block or approving the transactions, it's not like it's you and me and you're living around the corner for me. It's people or entities from all over the world. So for me to try and overpower the network would require huge levels of coordination, but also huge levels of energy. And actually, I'd need state level energy. So I would need to be able to coordinate with people all around the world and I'd need to take over the, the ESB and, uh, and air grid and everything else. Um, and maybe even that wouldn't be enough in Ireland. I'd maybe have to tap into some of the, the UK's um, energy resources in order to overpower the network. So blockchain is your online ledger of sales and transactions without which cryptocurrency couldn't effectively operate. Gavin Blessing from ICM Capital had a nice take on it for Breakfast Business recently. I guess all your listeners have heard of blockchain technology. It's very important to understand that blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are essentially joined at the hip. Like a good analogy, a way, a simple way of thinking about it is everybody know, has heard of Apple iOS and it's the basic operating system of the Apple network or your Apple iPhone. And all your apps on your iPhone run on the iOS system. So it's the same idea with cryptocurrencies. They, The blockchain is the operating system of cryptocurrencies. 
So that's your nuts and bolts. Cryptocurrency is an online currency backed by a verification process which cuts out the middleman of a bank. But how are the coins actually created? This is what's called coin mining. You've probably heard of Bitcoin mining. Basically, the block from a blockchain, that little segment of it, which is a big group of transactions, is verified by solving a puzzle. And then when that puzzle is solved, new Bitcoin are created. It isn't like something. It's not like Sudoku on the back of a of a paper, right? It's it's a bit different to that. And um, you need a computer. And basically, the way it works is there's a there's things called hashes. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to guess the you're trying to guess the the puzzle, the answer to the puzzle. And therefore, the more compute power that you have, um, or hash rate the higher the likelihood is that you'll guess, you'll guess correctly, and therefore you'll get rewarded for um, in Bitcoin. Um, so at the start, you know, um, it was easy for folks to um, use the laptop um, that they have in front of them, you know, or sitting on their desk in order to actually mine Bitcoin successfully. But as time has gone on and the way the program is designed, which is part of the magic, is that it gets harder and harder and harder to solve the puzzle. So therefore, what you need is you need more energy um, in order to basically have more equipment that enables you to guess as fast as possible or to work through the, the, the mathematical puzzle as fast as possible. What you have now are warehouses. So think of the a, a large warehouse, like the three arena almost, where it's floor to ceiling of these, um, of these devices that are basically whirring away um, and trying to solve the mathematical pu uh, puzzles as fast as possible. And so they popped up all around the world. As you can imagine, that's a very energy-intensive process, which has led to questions about the environmental stability of cryptocurrency. Is it worth using all of that energy to create this stuff, similar to the row that's being had over data centers here? There is another way of validating blockchain purchases, which is called proof of stake. Effectively, validators have to buy into the process of confirming that these transactions happened. They purchase a certain amount of cryptocurrency and are, as a result, allowed to help create new coins. It's up to 99% more energy efficient than mining coins by solving those puzzles with big computers. Though there are some security concerns, as in theory, control of a network could be bought. Ethereum, which is the second biggest cryptocurrency after Bitcoin, is moving from a mining process to a proof-of-stake method in a way to be more environmentally friendly. So, for you and me, how do we actually buy cryptocurrency? What you do is you go onto an exchange, for example, Coinbase, um, and you submit your details, you go through KYC and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then basically you, you fund your wallet. Um, so let's say you put in 100 euro, and that means you've got 100 euro sitting in your Coinbase account. Um, and then you can purchase really any cryptocurrency that's available on that specific exchange. So you can buy one euro worth, you can buy 100 euro worth, depending on what you want to do with it. So I tried it out, apologies to Lori, but not through Coinbase, but an app that I already had on my phone, Revolut. I had to submit details, including ID, and wait a few days while they did a verification process, but then I was free to go and buy some cryptocurrency, and it really is as easy 
sending money to somebody or any of the other functions you probably do relatively regularly on Revolut. You go in, you see all the available cryptocurrencies and you can buy as much or as little as you like with the app taking a service fee, which most exchanges do. So I bought some Bitcoin and some Ethereum, which are the two most well-known and the two biggest cryptocurrencies. And as of recording this, my Bitcoin is up 6% and my Ethereum up 14%. Sure, lads, I'm made. Sure to make you wonder why you ever stick money in the bank at all. But the app also lets you see past performance and how up and down cryptocurrency can be. So as of recording this, Bitcoin is up 23% in the last month alone, but its value is down almost 40% on this time last year. Ethereum's value has increased 76% in a month, but it's down 32% year on year. There was a big crypto crash earlier this year as well, and while Bitcoin peaked with a value of more than €58,000 per coin last November, as of recording, it's worth less than half that, at almost €24,000. So is it a good investment? And is the current situation a dip or something more permanent? Here's Gavin Blessing from ICM Capital. Is it a blip or is it a terminal decline, etc.? Well, no, I don't think it's terminal. Clearly, you know, there will be a shakeup and certainly some currencies uh, won't make it. I think Bitcoin will almost certainly come through it. We've gone through, the thing is, we've gone through three or four major price cycles before during the 10-year existence of Bitcoin. And every time Bitcoin has come roaring back. So I don't think this time is going to be different. As someone working in the industry, where does Laurie Keogh think it's going? There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin and the last Bitcoin will be created in 2140. There's 19 or over 19 million in circulation in, at the moment. So as an investment, and look, the way I look at it is, is probably um, wearing a, a few different hats. So I think there's the folks that really are passionate about technology and see it as being a very important part of our future and want to participate in the Bitcoin network, the Ethereum network, Algorand, Stellar, whatever. So they're, they're purchasing the crypto associated to that underlying technology because they believe it has utility um, and will do so on an increasing basis over time. So that's one. Two, definitely on, the, on an investment perspective, I think that, um, more and more people have become interested in cryptocurrency for various reasons. Um, and I think Coinbase has, has done a, a, a very good job of this. Number one is that they've made it, um, and, and others as well, they've made it easier to purchase. But also what's really important about it is that you need to go to trusted exchanges where um, they're regulated and it's clear as to um, who who has your assets. And it's funny, if we look at some of the biggest money managers in the world and their approach to cryptocurrency, um, what they will say is that they have a portion of their assets in cryptocurrency. So it comes down to what is your appetite to risk and um, what are your investment object- uh, objectives and also what's your stage of life? So maybe if you are two years away from retirement, don't put the entire pot into crypto. And to add, nothing in this podcast should be considered financial advice. I can barely manage my own finances. Cryptocurrencies are definitely not going away, even if the future of them is somewhat unclear. But that's the thing about investing, isn't it? At the end of the day, you're taking a gamble on how something is going to perform. And this is particularly uncertain because it's something that's relatively new. 2009, Bitcoin was created. We only have 13 years of data and that somewhat up and down. Big thanks to Laurie Keogh, Coinbase, for chatting to me for this episode. I certainly understand cryptocurrency a lot better than I did at the start. And how I own a tiny bit of Bitcoin as a result. Go figure. 
Thank you for listening to Let Me Explain. Before you hop off to put the house on Bitcoin, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a lovely five-star review. This episode was produced and presented by myself, Sean Defoe. John Kill was the editor and Lachlan Hart was on sound. I'll chat to you next week.